can go ahead and open up to John chapter 6, uh, verse 50. And it says, This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then later on it says that, um, Therefore, uh, Oh, and then when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Does this offend you? What, and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, it is the Spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing the words, and I speak unto you. They are spirit, but they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For the Jews knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who would be, go betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except if it were given unto him my father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And um, when it says they went back and walked no more with him, I think it's because what Victor's also been talking about is they didn't have their minds changed. And they need to have their minds changed in order to walk with God because our mind or our will isn't his will. And also, we can't just change our mind one time and for like Sunday and then change it as soon as we're done to something else. And it says in James that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we can't just keep going back and forth from one thing or another or else we'll get confused on which is the right one and we won't know what we're supposed to be doing. So which means that every single day that we need to come and we need to examine ourselves and make sure we have the right will or the right mind of God in us. And, and we also need to make sure that we're not just changing it to what we want to change it to. We need to change it to the will of what God wants us to do every day. And the servers can come up. Dear Lord, I just thank you for everything you've done for us today, Lord, and giving us this time, this opportunity to come and to worship you, Lord. And just help us as we're going through today and throughout the rest of the week to make sure we have our mind on you, Lord, and on your will that we need to be doing it, Lord. And just bless everybody here. In Jesus' name, amen. And it says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This is the New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. I get thoughts every now and again, almost always. Some of them shouldn't pay attention to, and then some of them are kind of interesting. <clears throat> we'll start out with a thought this morning, and we got a lot of things to talk about. I just pray the Lord opens, opens our eyes, opens my mouth correctly, that we can grow today. As I was going, getting ready to go to church, you know, I got my suit on and stuff like that, and I had to stop and pick up the paper because Christy wasn't here, and 
was there, you know, and I, I, just a thought came to me. I said, you know, I mean, I don't know how you think, but I thought, you know, if someone saw me, then, you know, my thought is thinking like, okay, the way I used to think. You know, when I used to see somebody going to church, I used to scorn them. You say, oh, who do they think they are? They think they're so righteous. Look at them going to... And so that thought came to me. I said, well, I wonder if my neighbors are going to see me. There he is, you know, going to church. Who does he think he is? And, you know, he's so good. And, you know, and we shared before about, you know, why are we here? We're not all there. See, it's exactly the very opposite. The reason that we come together, the reason that we go to church, is because we, it's been revealed to us we're not that good. We're not that good at all. As a matter of fact, we, you know, Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid it all. We're coming here acknowledging our need. We're, ne- we're acknowledging that we need the communion again. We're acknowledging we need the washing again. We're acknowledging we need the equipping and the building up. We need the worship. So exactly the opposite of what goes on in our brains usually is what's happening. And so we need everything to be translated through the new covenant. And I want us to start to look at that today in kind of an interesting way. So let's open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Because many times we allow our thoughts to dictate our perception of life. And I, wanna, I don't want to talk about this this morning, but I'll give you a little a slip into it. Talk more about it later this evening, I think, but... Where we're at, I mean, not physically, but, you know, where I'm at affects how I hear things. I can't trust how I hear things. See, I might actually perceive something just like Micah read this morning. See, they had some thoughts in their side. So when they heard something, they thought they were hearing something, but they didn't really hear what was being said. Jesus said His words are spirit and their life, but they only received it as the level they could hear. So we need to always, when we're hearing, be aware that you probably haven't heard correctly. You've only heard at best, at very best in part, correctly. But you're limited to hear only by where you perceive you are. The, the prodigal son's older brother heard the father rejoicing over the, his son returning said, let's have a party. My son was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. But the older brother, what did he hear? Dad doesn't like me. Now he, and he acted on what he thought he heard, but it's not what was being said. Amen. And many times when we're hearing the Spirit of God speaking, we're only hearing naturally, but we're hearing for where we're at. And just in, just in, a, in, a, in a brief summary, then I'm, I want to move on on this. See, Jesus said, there's many things I want to say to you, but you're not able to hear them now. There's some things God wants to say, but because of where you're at, He can't speak to you. Paul says to another place, I'd like to speak to you as spiritual, but I can't because of where you're at. You're not hearing me. The Bible talks about, he he writes to children, father, uh, young men and fathers. There's different places we need to be. And God is calling us up to start hearing as He wants us to hear. So we need to get out of our limitations of, oh, well, I heard you say. No, you only heard what you thought He said. You've only interpreted it up to the limits of your possibilities. God wants to take us way beyond that. Way beyond that. 
And that's the changing of our mind. That's the renewing of our mind. And that's what happens to Paul on the road to Damascus. His mind, he had heard only in part. He had heard the gospel. He had heard the story. But he only heard it to the limits of his where he was at. To the limits of his understanding. But one day, Jesus came to him and his the gospel didn't change. Who Jesus was didn't change. He grew up. He changed something. He heard something different. So again, you know, the Bible talks about lean not unto your own understanding. Don't rely on yourself. And we know these things, but we only hear them in part. God wants to do so much, so when we actually, well, he said, she said, they said, the Bible says, no, you don't know. You're only hearing, well, my father doesn't like me because he's throwing my younger brother a party. No! It's your perception. And God is interested in changing your perception, basically, of him and who he is and, and his purpose and of his calling in our life. So many times we go on, and the reason that we can't hear real well is because we don't translate the story, our life, and the things going on in our life with there's a key. There's a code. There's kind of like special glasses you have to put on. You ever see something and they give you the special glasses and, whoa, I never saw that. Yes, that's the way we are. Balaam, we talked about Balaam going, you know, to do the work of God on a donkey. He couldn't see. God had to finally get through to him. So today I want us to put on some glasses. And Colossians chapter 1, 20... Let's start in verse 24. We'll get a running start at it. Who now rejoice in my suffering for you. So Paul's seeing something different. How many people rejoice in your sufferings and they're not even for yourself? Sometimes we can actually like build ourselves up. I'm suffering because I know it's going to work something good in me. After a while, that'll wear off. See, But sometimes we can buck up and say, well, it's working character and you know it's going to be good. But this is going far beyond that. Paul now is talking about, I rejoice in my sufferings for you. Whoa. How many times do we hear that wrong? Well, they make me do it. They're making me go. Yes! That's exactly what's happening. But God, but you haven't heard it yet. Jesus suffered for us. And He rejoiced in that He was able to do it. He gets nothing out of us in the sense of his character has changed, he's closer to God, but he gets what he gets out of it is doing the will of the Father. And as I was, we were in worship, good time of worship this morning, and it was for me, you know, God meets us. But the Bible talks about God being a refining fire. As the melting pot is to silver and uh, the refiner is to gold, so is, you know, the God, God to us. And I began to think about that. That's kind of an odd analogy because it really has to do with man stuff. Refiner's fire, now, except from the sun, but I'm talking about in our normal life, a refiner's fire you won't find in nature. It, it, it's much hotter than anything that can be created, like a forest fire or, a, you know, uh, in, your, in, in, in just cooking anything. It's actually created by man to make it hot enough to refine something. And God uses that analogy. Oh boy. Have you been in the refiner's fire? Man's doing it. Yes, that's what he's saying. But our eyes haven't been opened to realize that God is working in all that. He's 
trying to reveal his nature and character, and sometimes we can't hear because of where we are. I'm going to read out of Oswald. We're going to just stay here for a minute. This morning I, I, I read Oswald. I thought it was really good. I haven't read the whole verse out of Oswald for a while. And uh, it says, oh boy, we got, got some stuff here. I'm going to have to read this and then we'll talk. But we, had, but we had hoped. And what is more, it's already the third day. Every fact that the disciples stated was right. They just couldn't hear it correctly. They couldn't see it correctly. We'll talk about that. Every fact the disciples stated. This is on the road to Emmaus. Remember Jesus shows up to him, and Jesus says, what are you bummed out about for? There's a reason why we're dismayed. There's a reason why we're bummed out. There's a reason why we're, he uses the word dejection. He uses good words. And the, the disciples said, well, we're reasonably bummed out. What's the matter with you? Don't you know anything? They kind of said to him, you're the only one that's a stranger to Jerusalem, what's been going on the last, you know, few days? And they, they rehearsed the facts. And the facts were all correct, except for one great key is missing. And we're going to talk about that key. Generally, it's faith. But there's something that needs to be understood with that key and understood with that faith. So the road to Emmaus, they said it's the third day. And have you ever had a promise from God and it seems like it's not happening? It's the, and that's the thing, it's the third day. There's a reason why. But the inference they drew from those facts were wrong. So you can only judge and move and think according to where you're at. Way limited. Way too small. I was watching. You know, you know what's neat about little children? They're cute. And everything is new. They think that, and after a while, they think they know everything. And they really do for their, for their limited deal. Like, like, like Hannah was holding Grace, and she kind of had a, a tambourine, and she had her finger in the hole of the tambourine. And so she figured out something. She could stick the finger in, and now she's pretty smart. And now every time she sees a hole, so she thinks she knows a lot. And for her limited understanding, she knows everything. But how much does she not know? And that's like we are. Got my finger in the tambourine. What else? What more could there be? But after a while, what happens is you figure it out. Sticking your finger in the tambourine is, you know, that's okay for about a week. But pretty soon that wears off. Have you noticed there's not a whole lot new under the sun? Ecclesiastics. Have you noticed sometimes you get a little bored? Have you noticed, well, there's a knowledge that See, the love of God that passes understanding. There's a knowledge that wants to come from the supernatural or from God that's going to blow your mind. That's going to take you beyond where you could possibly go. But you're going to have to hear it from God's perspective. Because if you don't, you'll hear it and only get bitter. You'll only get angry. You'll only be able to rehearse the facts in your faith. And I'm going to just throw that out there. We are not supposed to live in our faith. Many times we have misplaced faith, but it's not, we're not supposed to live by our faith, we're supposed to live by the faith of the Son of God. And sometimes those two are opposed to one another. Sometimes what we call faith is really our um, desire. And we can get in a lot of trouble. But anyway, that's a little preview. They drew from these facts was wrong. Why were they wrong? They just don't know everything. They could only, they're only limited and they had some dreams. They thought, it was three days. Hey, something's going to happen. Their faith or their desire was misplaced. But God was going to meet them with a refiner's fire. 
anything the Savior, anything that savors of dejection spiritually is always wrong. Have you ever had dejection, kind of bummed out, self-pity, and everything's going wrong? Have you ever actually sat there in self-righteousness? Maybe like Jeremiah, I've done the Word of God, I'm not speaking anymore, I'm just a... Anything that focuses it on self-pity, depression, no matter how much you think it is correct, is wrong, according to Oswald. Now, you could take that. But we talked about that. Why are you cast down, O my soul? You're only hearing, you're only seeing. There's something greater. God is still at work. There's a refining fire that's going on in your life to separate the dross from you in your life that you don't even know about. So when we, when we get these tinges of self-righteousness, well, I'm bummed out because of this. Cast it away. If depression and, oppre- and if depression and oppression visit me, I am to blame. That's a tough one. We sing that song, you know, the buck stops here. We're good change makers. Buck comes here, I give it the, ah, you know, why are you bummed out? Ah, she made me do it, and he made me do it in the church, and no. There's more to life than finding the finger in the tambourine. I know you don't know that. See, when you hit about 30, 35, there's not a whole bunch more. And your excitement level kind of changes and you figure, you know, I'm waiting for the sun to come up in the West one day. You know, I was really, I mean, I knew it wouldn't happen. But why 2000? Remember that? I really was hoping that would happen. Not because of God. I just wanted something different. It's not going to happen. He's got a refiner's fire that's greater than anything that nature puts out. He's using some wonderful things in our life to bring out sin so it can be taken away. Yeah, so be careful when, you know, you get depressed and you're bummed out, you're oppressed, and you start blaming. The buck stops here. We like that song. The buck stop, It's That means it's my fault. Yeah. It's my fault. Lord, help me. Help me. Either I have satisfied a lust or I have not. Lust means I must have it at once. Spiritual lust makes me demand an answer from God instead of seeking Him who, who gives the answer. What I have been trusting God to do. What have I been trusting God to do? Today, the immediate, pre- today, the immediate present is the third day. Today, Monday. Where is God going to meet you? Not tomorrow. He's coming on the third day. And again, like I said, sometimes we have faith in our own faith. I thought by now I would be. I thought the church would be. I thought I would pray better. I thought... Those are desires. It's called lust. It's either something that hasn't come to pass that I wanted or something that I you know, fell into that I shouldn't have fallen into. Lust and desire is not the faith of the Son of God. And sometimes that misplaced, like these guys going to the road to Emmaus, had some desires. Misplaced. It wasn't faith. Now, they thought it was. They thought the finger in the tambourine was all that there was. They thought they actually heard what the Father said. They thought that they were hearing spiritual when they were still carnal. God's trying to say to you, you don't understand the words that I'm speaking unto you, their spirit and their life. Your flesh profits nothing. That's why it's bummed. Because this, 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 the gospel will blow our minds. And we never dream that all the time God is in the commonplace things and the people around us. There's that refiner's fire. 
How, what's he going to do? He's not using the things that we thought. He's going to use an example, refiner's fire, that's not found in nature. That's actually... God doesn't need to refine gold. He makes gold. He's doing something. And we could never imagine that what is going on in your life right now, the third day, the immediate present, the doubts, all the things, it's God working in you. We could never imagine that. We would say, we've got to leave here. No, he's at work. That would be the faith of the Son of God. Like Job, though he slay me, I will trust him. What? I had faith to believe that God would deliver me. No, you had hope that God would deliver you from this because you don't want to be sick. You had hope that God, because you don't want to go through the refiner's fire. You had hope because you don't want to be changed. You had hope because you want to be self-righteous. You had hope because you want to stay alive. But the Word of God comes to expose that and we'll get to the mystery. So beware of the faith that we sometimes think we're having. It just could be lust. And we miss that God is moving in the commonplace things and in the people around us. There would be a mind blower. Because what do we usually say? We actually blame God for the situations that are in us and around us and the people. And we miss that God's actually at work there. Because I'm just, it's because of where I'm at. I thought Dad didn't like me. He likes my little brother better. And he was a jerk anyway. And how come he always gets the... What do you mean there's certain things you can't tell me, Lord? You can't bear it. What do you mean you're talking to me, carnal? Well, you've got to hear different. We've got to live by the faith of the Son of God. We, if we will do the duty that lies nearest, we shall see Him. We'd rather do something else. Like, remember, Oswald said, it's, uh, you can't serve God where you're not. God's requiring something from you now. In this situation, not requiring that you change the situation, get out of the situation. He just wants you to hear different. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to come to a place that you hear something in a carnal way and say, I will still trust Him though He slay me. One of the most amazing revelations of God comes when we learn that it is the commonplace things that the deity of Jesus Christ is revealed in all those things that we have dismissed and couldn't be God. And anybody have some th- situations come into your life, some th- in your life that just, this isn't God. Anybody like that besides me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, guess what? you just not, there's some things outside your knowledge realm. There's some things that you've got to go through the fire to be refined. So instead of that, we should actually have faith of the Son of God, not just our own lusts of saying, yeah, you know, wow. Okay, so how is this going to interpret then? So I wanted to lay that out because sometimes we have faith, we think it's faith, it's really not faith. It's, it's spiritual lust, if that's even the right word. Desire, because God's trying to call us up just like he's talking to the, like Micah read this morning. He didn't have to speak like that. Eat my body, drink my blood. It's almost purposely he blew their minds. Because it said then Jesus knew who was going to betray him. He knew who was called. He didn't have to purposely do that, but he did because he's not after that. He's not after to please you. He's not after to fulfill your lust or your desires for God. There is a will and a purpose of God that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are desiring and on aim to fulfill in you. And that has to be so... Our natural desires, which would only be satanic, have to be thrown away and 
I have to stand against them. I have to say, yes, I think that, and I reject that. And I grab hold of something else. I was reading in the Turkish Bible, and it, came, it was kind of interesting because in, in so, uh, you know, sometimes they jump out at me. In, in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 39, it says, And these all having obtained the, a good report. Now, in the Turkish Bible, it says, And these all kind of pleased God. These men pleased God. And it obtained a good report through faith. What would you, what would you, what would you expect if you, repair, if you got a good report or an A from God and you please God? The next sentence doesn't fit. These received not the promise, but they walked in the faith of the Son of God. There's a time that we're going to be pleasing God like Jesus did on the cross like the martyrs did, like you're going to do Monday morning, like you're going to do raising your children, like you're going to do when you come to the refiner's fire and you put your thoughts into the pot that God has ordained in these commonplace things, in the things that you don't think is God, and He's going to change your thoughts because Jesus found Himself in fashion of a man and He understood the heart of God and the mind of God. He allowed what the, the refiner's fire, what seemed to be a set of circumstances outside His control that people inferior people, sinful people. A society was orchestrating for him and he allowed God to work in him as the Son of God. That's the faith of the Son of God. So they, these all pleased God and had a good report. Why did they have a good report? Because they exercised but they didn't receive the promises. Why didn't they receive the... You know what I'm all about? I'm all about receiving the promises. But God isn't about that. Do you know why they didn't receive the promises? Because He has a purpose. Because He has a plan that we know nothing about, but it's going to fulfill the entire desire of the universe and all creation. It says they did not receive the promises because God had something better in mind. And these men and women, some of them received great things, some of them talks about they, were, they walked as, as vagabonds on the earth. They were sawn asunder, they were persecuted. But God said, I'm happy with you. I'm proud of you. I'll point to you. But you're, it's not for now. And they received the not for now as God and because God had a greater purpose. God's purpose, the knowing of God, became of greater importance than the temporal blessings and what they could hear or understand. Something transformed them out of the normal, out of things. Well, this is pretty stupid. I don't know why I'm going through this. I'd like God said, God told me this would happen. Why isn't it happening? I don't know, but God knows. He's not asking me to know. I thought I'm pretty smart. I can stick my finger in the tambourine. I can walk. I can talk. I can, you know, I know more than mom and dad pretty soon. Foolishness. That's your own desires. The faith of the Son of God says, don't know why we're here. Don't know why they're beating us. We haven't done anything wrong. God says, I'm pleased with you. Hang in there. I've got a great purpose. You'll see it someday. That's the faith that glorifies God. That's the hearing that transforms a church and transforms our lives. Yeah, so we can have a great report. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't feel like you have a good report. People ever say, well, if I was pleasing God, how come this isn't happening? Anybody like that out there? Okay, we'll pray for you. Yeah. 
See, like I said, sometimes sometimes we get, you know, and there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a natural realm. You know, God, there's principles in the Bible, which we should practice. And generally, if you practice principles well, generally things will go well for you. But God in His overall purpose in our spiritual life does not reward good behavior. Otherwise, all those people would have received the promises. He said, I'm pleased with them. And I want you to know I'm pleased with you. But us being given the seal of the Holy Spirit, we have, a, we have a witness from the Holy Spirit that cries, Abba, Father, we should know that we're accepted of God. And there's, gonna, there's a greater purpose, even in our lives, than just receiving what I think should happen. Well, I don't know why. You're not supposed to know why. And God actually ordains it to actually bring you to a place where you will have to question that and say, I choose to let that go. Isaac, come with me. We're going to the mountain. And I believe that God's word is so true that even if I slay him, God will raise him up from the dead. And when he go, God says, no. Okay. We see that. On the road to Emmaus, they were bummed out, but when they heard the word of God again, probably for the first time as they'd ever heard it, they rose and went back to fulfill God's purpose. They had to be willing to forsake what they thought they heard, what they thought they knew, and come up to a different place. Corinthians, Colossians, Colossians was still there. Who now rejoicing in my suffering for you, and to fill up that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for the body's sake, which is his church. Now, Ephesians, the, these three books are tremendously important. They all take on, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, take on a very revel, revelation, revel, revelation of Jesus Christ and of his purpose. And in these books, Paul talks, uses a word very quite a bit. We'll get to that. But he's talking here of a, the purpose of God that is at work in him, and he desires for us to know that, and it should be at work in you. And if we fail to see this, then all I can kick in is my natural thinking, and my soul takes over. We talked about training your soul. And I, I can just only hear up to my level, and I think because I hear at this level, I, I know it all. No, you're only five or six or three or ten. Or I don't care if you're 128. You don't know like God. I don't know. Moses was 600 and something, wasn't he? God, he still had some situations and problems he didn't quite un get, get a hold of. Don't, you don't know everything. And when you hear something, fall back into the hands of the Holy Spirit and of God and say, you know, I thought I heard him say. I mean, I'm the same. My, sometimes Christy talks to me, and she has whole conversations with me I know nothing about. Now, we used to get in fights over that. But now it's probably, you know, pretty much I probably didn't hear it. Or whether I heard it or not, it doesn't matter. But see, again, Lord, I maybe never heard you for the first time. Lord, I thought I heard you, but I didn't hear you. Lord, I thought this was happening, but it wasn't happening. Lord, I thought they were, I think it was Elisha. I think he was bummed out. He got bummed out because he wanted to see some more stuff. And he said, oh, I'm bummed out here. There's only a, I'm, and he's, he, he is the prophet of the prophets. He, doesn't he appear on the mountain with, yeah, with Jesus? I mean, he's not forsaken. He has a, he has a testimony that he pleased God. But even he gets... He get, have, you, have you have bouts with dejection? There's a reason for that. You're going into the refiner's fire because there's some stuff that needs to come out. Your thinking has grown, but not enough. And Elijah says, oh, this, is, this stinks. I'm the only prophet left. I mean, he believed that. He'd been around. 
He, he was the prophet of God. God could have told him beforehand, you're not the only prophet, I'm doing a great work. He chose not. There's a refiner's fire. It's not the fulfillment of the promise. It's the faith of the Son of God that makes me see the face of God. And he's pleased with that. And so when he says, I'm the only one left, God says, no, you're not. He doesn't have three or four. He's got 5,000. Now, why doesn't Elisha, I mean, 5,000 prophets running around? Maybe they didn't have the Internet. I don't know. But he had, the, he had you know, he could have said, oh, yeah, I don't believe it. They're not as good as me. How come they are? How come I'm the only? His thinking, his hearing had to change. God, then so be it. And then you know what he does? He eats a little bit. It's in the commonplace things God's going to meet you. Eats a little bit, sleeps a little bit, eats a little bit, sleeps a little bit, and guess what he does? Round 15, let's go. Okay, be dejected, get over it, and get up and do the right thing. Of course you don't like what's going on. You're too stupid to know even what's going on. There's a something that's at work in you. You have nothing. You have no idea. And this is why the Holy Spirit is given to us. He makes up the difference because we don't know how to pray even as we ought to pray. I don't even know how to pray anymore. I, I think, okay, Lord, how should I pray? That's, you know, there's a lot of stuff I want. Then when I get right down to it, I say, boy, so much, so many people, I don't even know how to pray. Well, he says, I'll give you the Holy Spirit because you don't know how to pray. Really, he's being very kind to us. You're so stupid. You don't even know how to pray. You don't even know how to ask what you're supposed to ask. And many times you're asking to miss. And then you get bummed out at me for not giving it to you. It'd be like your kid coming and saying, give me a gun, Pop, with a full round of it. And you said no. And he's like, oh, yeah. no, you just don't understand yet. So let the Holy Spirit work in you. Let the Holy Spirit pray in you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. The Holy Spirit knows the Father. You do not. The Holy Spirit reveals the Father and Jesus to you. So when you hear something, okay, that sounds See, that's like, you know, Jesus says, if, if, if somebody smacks you on the one cheek, turn the other cheek. Natural reaction. If someone smacks you, I mean, I naturally go like this. Now, what I need to do when I hear something, some, I've got to go, wait a minute. Flesh, I have no confidence in you. If God's speaking to me, then let him open that up if I don't understand it. Don't have to answer everything right away. Don't have to go up. You may not know what he just said what she just said, what the Lord really said in you. Hearing needs... You're only hearing where you're at, and where you're at usually is no good. <laughs> yeah, just some things to think about. Fill up that... Okay, so Paul is giving us the revelation. He's the, the behind, I want to fill up that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake which is the church. Now, Paul is going to take kind of a turn here. He's talking about the glory of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the power of God and our forgiveness of sins and all things that are fulfilled in Christ. And then he's going to bring it to the third day, the immediate now. And you find yourself in the church. And sometimes, again, the commonplace things and the things that God is doing don't always appear like God. Have you looked at the church lately? And what do we say? Oh, God couldn't be moving there. You know, it'd be nice, but this person needs to get it together, and that person's wrong. And you know, we had this and we had that. No, he's saying here, I am. Now they had the same problems in the church back then. Sometimes we read the Bible, we think they had a. Whoa! I wish I was back in the first century church. Then we could really move. Well, just think about some of the problems you have now, and you wanted an answer from the apostle. It probably would have taken six months to a year to get that answer. 
you want to talk about patience having a perfect work. Well, we need to write the apostle and see if he needs to go to this person in the storm and we lost the boat and all these things go on. But he's talking here now. He's changing. He's talking about the, the, the third day. He says, I am working for God's purpose. And he's going to give us a revelation and an insight of what that purpose is. I want, I'm working for the... Uh, to make up the afflictions that are still behind in my, which is Christ's flesh for his body's sake the church now his focus is going to be on the church which is going to be God's expression it's the expression of Jesus Christ on the third day on the here and now and Paul understands that that's why he says it's my gospel I've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision I am starting to hear in a way that I haven't heard before because even when I think I know something I want to act like I don't know something that God may be given to give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so now he's saying that I'm working all Christ is working in me that his father would be glorified not in some there is a mysterious working just as we pray for the children that could be like what do you pray there's a mystery we're called on the mystery of God that God would touch him just as we now hear the mystery of God in the church this is what God is doing and it escapes me and there's got to be a refiner's fire things that are just not going to happen naturally that are going to cause your thinking and your hearing to change There's got to come a place to where you're dejected and say, God, I'm just not going to speak the word anymore. God, I'm just tired of doing it. There's no other prophets left anymore. God, I'm just, I got to go find Hagar. God, I want you to do this. I better just go, you know, keep the best to offer to God. And God's going to say, no. I want you to hear me, not hear what you think I said. Wherefore, I made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me to fulfill the Word of God. Even the mystery, now this is where we need to be, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest in the saints. This is the fulfillment of Christ coming in. This was the mystery that the prophets couldn't see. This is the prophet they couldn't understand. And, and most of the time, it escapes us as well. But this is the... Shifa. The, the code, the mystery, the key, that we need to look at everything with this key. There's a mystery. And he says, I want to reveal this to you because if you miss the mystery, you're probably going to miss everything else that's going on and you're going to think it's all about you. You're going to think you have heard it all. You're going to think that you can fix it. And it's nothing about that. There's a greater purpose that they, without us, should not be made perfect. And because of that, these people suffered for our sake thousands of years yet to come. And yet it pleased God. Can we do that? Or do I have my own um, desires that I call faith? Well, God needs to be doing this. And I saw God, and how come He's not... He's not doing it because He's God and He wants you to hear. Eat my body. Drink my blood. You only know in part. You think you heard something. You didn't. Abraham thought he heard God say, offer my son. Offer your son. God said, don't offer him. Whoa. Hearing had to come to a place of becoming a son. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and generations, but now is made manifest in the saints. If we don't interpret everything that's going on to the fulfillment of the word, remember he said that in the verse before, then we miss 
that very Holy Spirit that we're professing to seek working in our lives. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of His mystery. Again, there's the mystery. And many times it's a mystery to us. We walk around like we don't even know what's going on. We walk around like, you know, it's always, how many, I don't know why I read this, I, this thought came to me, I had nothing to do with the message, but maybe it does. Um, Perry Mason, you know Perry Mason, the old 1950s story? Perry Mason always had the case figured out. Do you know why? He knew something you didn't know. And at the last time, you know, they'd break down on the stand. And this is the same way. There's something God knows you don't know about. And many times we, we, don't, we don't walk in the, that mystery that he says he wants to reveal and we, we, never get to the, we, never, we never solve the case because we're not aware of the mystery. It's a mystery. You don't even sometimes know that it's going on. It sometimes doesn't appear like it's going on. Sometimes you think it's not going on and you might have to do it yourself. You might have to end up in Emmaus. You might have to have you know, a child. You might have to offer something. And God's just not going to be pleased with that. But those that endure in faith, the faith of the Son of God, God's going to say, well done. And it's going to affect thousands of years into the future. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of His mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. There's a mystery going on right this morning. You might, have, you, you might, be, you might, you might forget it because I'm preaching so long. You might forget it because you're tired. You might forget it because you're depressed. You might forget it because you're blaming somebody. You might forget it because you don't think enough's going on. You might forget it and you might not be viewing with the... Oh! You did it! You killed her! Here's the mystery. And everything needs to be interpreted through the mystery. Christ in you. The hope of glory. That may cause me to hear something a little bit differently. It's not all about what I thought. Jesus became accursed because there was a mystery at work. You might become whatever in your own eyes because there's a mystery and a refiner's fire at work. But when I start to look and say, oh, this is what Christ came for and this is what the message that He revealed, I want to reveal to the mystery that's been hid from ages and generations, Christ in you. Were you aware this morning that Jesus is in you today? Were you aware that the Holy Spirit was in you or were you just going through another day? If you're going through another day, you might, you know, end up like David, wanting a little bit of excitement. You might end up like a lot of people that just want to do something instead of those men and women that it talks about in Hebrews, that they put aside their faith, their real desires. They're, they're just wanting, they're, they're wanting something and saying, God, I want you. But Christ has made this possible by the infilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Here's the mystery, and I want you to meditate it on today, tomorrow, and everything that comes up in your life. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I forgot about that a lot of times. I think it's about me. I think I know something. Christ in you. It's a mystery. Remind one another of the mystery. Now, I need to put on those glasses every day because I might just think I'm just a normal person. I might just be thinking some weird stuff's going on. No, there's a mystery that's been revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's, that's what we need to interpret everything through. Otherwise, I might have my own desires. Now, Galatians, we know this scripture, but let's turn to it. Because many times we have our own misplaced, what we call faith. Now, remember, 
Oh, we'll get to it. Galatians talks about it. Chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. This is part of the mystery. Have you, did you remember you were crucified? Or does it sometimes that older son might rise up in you? That depressed man might rise up in you? The one who doesn't think there's enough being done or you have something. Whoa! It's in the commonplace things and the things that you think God isn't moving, He's actually moving. Elisha, there's 5,000 that haven't bent the knee. I know you don't know that. But even when, he got, when, even when he heard that, you know, he wasn't ready to go back. Sometimes I think if this would only... Ha-, no, God still had to work in him because his hearing had to change. He had to decide to put to death his ideas, his hearing. Well, I know that they said... No, you only think you heard. You only think you understood. It's the third day and there's a mystery that you don't... There's a mystery. It's Christ in you. He's ordained this. He's leading you to the refiner's fire that you wouldn't go to. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Our life has been redeemed. Jesus bought it. He lives, the Holy Spirit lives in us and our old nature is dead. We need to be crucified with the Lord. But nevertheless, I live. But not I that live. In the life that I now live in the faith, I flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. We're not to live by our own faith. We make so much a mistake that we think we have faith. And most of that faith is, is misplaced desire or actually a, a blaming or a demanding of God or a fulfillment of some promise. James talks about that. You're praying, you're praying amiss. You're adulter- he says, you're adulterers and adulteresses. You haven't, you ha- you're not hearing you're not aware of the mystery. It's not all about you. It's not all about you thinking when God should fulfill His promise. It's already the third day. What's going on? Judas had some problems with what the Lord was doing. He thought God should have, you know, Jesus should have given this money away here, given it there. It's when, when Satan entered into his heart. He refused to come up to the mystery. And there's a mystery working in you, which is the church, Christ in you. And you're going to come face to face with some desires, which you're going to think is faith, that you're going to think is right. God's going to say, put that away. And we can be like the 5,000 who walk with him no more, thinking we do. Or we can say, I'll eat your body, drink my blood. I don't understand that. How many people understood communion today? Well, we do it by faith. We do it because there's a mystery at work. So we want to live by the faith of the Son of God. So... I'm going to just end there because we got a we got a lot, but I'm going to just read one more scripture. I, I read out of Psalms 23 last week, so that was kind of on my mind. It starts out with a real interesting verse, Psalms 23. And like most of us that know everything, I know you don't read these anymore. I mean, I read them, but the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. You know, it's kind of like a memory verse. Got it down, but I don't really understand what it says. And it's very interesting about the word shepherd. Again, we Walt Disneyize everything. We try to make it very romantic. But the shepherd, really, a she- that's why the Israel, Egypt did not like Israelites. Do you know one of the major reasons was? They, because they considered the Israelites shepherds, which is an abomination. It's not some cute, fuzzy deal. When you Chorban, it's a shepherd in Turkey. They're kind of the they're dirty. We don't. They're not like oh, 
the shepherd. So we got to put it in the, in the world's eyes, in Egypt's eyes, the shepherd is an abomination. Okay? But again, I'd have to hear something different. Otherwise, I might actually feed my wrong faith. Thinking, oh, well, you're not really being a shepherd. You smell like sheep. You've got some things we don't like. So we're going to have to actually fall in love with some things that the world is saying is an abomination. So it starts out right away with an abomination. The Lord is someone I don't really like all that well. The Lord is my shepherd. But again, his, 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 his point of view is changed. And this is the, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. How many of you have been there this week? Not in my flesh. Yeah. Was there some things that you've lusted after? Maybe blame God about things that didn't come to pass or some things that came to pass you didn't want. Wow. I'd have to hear something different. I shall not want. Wow. Is there some wanting going on that you thought might have been the Lord? Well, you'd have to fall in love with, with the abomination. Now, so we have to divide. That's what I said. The, the Holy Spirit comes. The Word of God is given to rightly divide the thoughts and intents of our heart. Some of our faith is just misplaced want. It's lust. It's desire. It's, and I want to see, I want... Well, God is working in the commonplace things. And as Paul gives us the, the revelation of the mystery, he's talking this very God, the God who saved us, who paid it all, who washed my sins, who the Holy Spirit now lives in me. He says, I find it my honor and privilege if I can be afflicted and be spent for the church's sake, which is the fullness of his body, all in all. We're going to go on to read more and more about that because he's focusing in this time. It's called the church age. Everything is on the church, but it's going to be in Colossians. It talks about, is it Colossians? No, Ephesians 3. Unto him be glory in the church throughout all ages. I don't understand that. You know what I'd have to do? I'd have to, get, I'd have to turn to the end of the Perry Mason book. I'd have to put on the glasses. I don't know how he did it. How did he? he knew something you didn't know. And here's the thing you don't know. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, hope does something really interesting. Well, this, is all, this, is, this, is, this is the epilogue. We're moving on. See, we have a hope that goes in to the eternal glory of God. talks about that it's an anchor. And I thought about an anchor. You know what an anchor does? It holds you somewhat there, but not... And you've got a little leeway. Then you've got to go up and down with the waves. But pretty much, that's my hope. I have a hope that sees beyond everything else outside the veil. Because everything outside the veil is pretty much messy. They're killing sheep and bulls and your brother-in-law just had a fight and this person stinks and your wife is this and the temple is like this and then we know the priest is skimming off the top. And Those are what I'm seeing. But my hope doesn't, isn't out here in the outer courts. My hope is here and keeps me steady. And what I'm doing is understanding Christ in you, the hope of glory, and this is the fulfillment of God. Okay. And I'm holding steady. And pretty soon, this will line up to that. Now, I may never receive it in this life. 
But God says, if you walk in that way, then you change. Then you please me. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. We got a lot more on that. But the revelation of Christ working in you and the revelation of the church and then understanding that my hearing, I only hear what I thought I heard. I'm usually not hearing everything. I need to hear spiritually. Hearing, you only hear because of where you're at. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus. That lunch smells really good. Thank you, Lord, for that. We ask you to bless the work of our hands. We ask that you be glorified in our lives. Take whatever measures needs to be done. In Jesus' name, amen.